but let's, uh, let's look at verse 5 this morning. Go ahead and read the, the first half of it to you. Um, Who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. So we've got two different things here. And I, I want to charge you this morning not to loan out your money to one another and then charge each other interest. And uh, don't uh, take a bribe against somebody if they're uh, not guilty and uh, we'll be okay. So when we wrap up and we'll move into... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but at the surface, these are pretty simple things, aren't they? Um, it, it, they don't really seem like something that we struggle with as a, as a people or a church. Um, but what I, what I want to do this morning is, is look at what I think is, is the heart of what the psalmist is referring to here. The, what are the motives, the actions behind why maybe the people of Israel would be, be doing this? These are, these are things that are seen a lot in the Old Testament. Um, in the law to the Israelites, uh, something it seems like maybe that they, they struggled with. Uh, Exodus 22:25 says, If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like the moneylender to him. You shall not extract interest from him. Leviticus 25:36 says, Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your, that your brother may live beside you. Deuteronomy 23.19 says, You shall not charge interest on the loans to your brother, interest on money, interest on food, interest on anything that is lent for interest. Ezekiel 22.12 says, In you they take bribes to shed blood. You take interest and profit and make gain on your neighbor by extortion. But me you have forgotten, declares the Lord God. I want to look at that first phrase. I think they tie closely together, and we'll see that this morning. But I want to look at that first phrase. Does not put out his money at interest. Um, I was reading one of the commentators, and he was he's saying that the, that the Hebrew there literally means he does not put a bit on the one who must borrow. And if you, if you get that mental picture as I did, kind of the idea of putting a, you know, a horse's bit in their mouth, then what? You have control of them, don't you? You can pull them where you want to. It's like you're, you're giving something, but with strings attached or with reins attached, if you will. Um, you're not giving selflessly. You're giving so that you have control, that you have power over them. And I think that's, that's something that, that we can do sometimes. That uh, when we, we give, we don't always give out of selflessness, that sometimes there's these motives behind it, or you know, even if it's seated deep, these, these ideas that, you know, if I let you borrow my truck, then you owe me in some way to pay me back, or if I, uh, if I paid for your dinner last week, then, you know, next time uh, we go out, you know, I shouldn't even have to mention it, but you should probably pay for my dinner. Um, you know, I gave you five bucks to go to the movies, you know, I'm going to be upset with you if you don't ever pay me back. These ideas of, of, uh, of, of not um, giving selflessly, but, you know, even if it's a small amount, holding on to some kind of control, if you will. Um, and I think the idea there is, is, uh, is also 
one of not not taking advantage of our our brothers and sisters um, in their in their circumstances, um, not to seek opportunities to further my position at someone else's expense. I don't know that we do this outright a lot. I mean, that's, that seems like a, a pretty cruel-hearted thing. But I, I know my heart, and I know that at times I've, I've done things like that. We seek our own good quite often, do we not? Um, it's pretty easy to seek what I want above all else. And if opportunities arise that, you know, might step on somebody a little bit, but helps me out, you know, I, I might take that every once in a while. Um, as I was thinking about this, um, I thought of a of an episode of Seinfeld. I don't know if it's uh, very Christian to use Seinfeld as an example in your sermon. I don't really watch it that much, so... Um, but there's this episode of Seinfeld where this guy gives Jerry this Armani suit. Like, brand new Armani suit. And it's one of those, yeah, you know, it doesn't fit me. You keep it. Don't worry about it. I don't want anything for it. It's like, you know, just take me out to dinner sometime. So it comes around. Jerry eventually takes him out to dinner. The guy then only orders a bowl of soup. You know how Seinfeld goes. It's kind of, everything's a big ordeal. So it gets back to Jerry that... Uh, the guy says the dinner doesn't count because he only ordered a bowl of soup. And Jerry's all mad because he didn't say that he could only, he had to only order a bowl of soup. And the guy thinks he still owes him a dinner. You know, it's the kind of idea that he says there's no strings attached, but obviously they were. And uh, he was going to, you know, get his money's worth out of Jerry because he gave him the suit, kind of holding it over his head. And I think we kind of can do that sometimes with people. We can do things for them, and then, in turn, we kind of hold that over their head for a while and see what we can get out of it over the period of time, even though, you know, hey, we just did it because we're out of goodwill. Um, idea of you know, being forever in debt to you because you've done something for me. And so I think really the idea here is, is another challenge for us to be, to be selfless, and we've talked about this before and we've discussed it before, but the idea of being selfless and, and giving without any strings attached. Um, Luke chapter 6, if you want to turn over there. Luke chapter 6. And verse 34. It says this. Luke six thirty-four. And if you lend... To those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind, and un, uh, He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. That's quite a challenge to give expecting nothing in return. It's really hard for me to do that, honestly. Uh, to give without any strings attached. Even if, even if I, I truly believe that I'm doing that, in the back of my mind, I think, well, you know, maybe one day 
that's going to come back to me because of what I've done to them. Um, but it is difficult, isn't it? To truly give of ourselves expecting nothing in return. I remember um, talking to this... Uh, uh, I don't know if any of you know Jody Greenstreet. She went to Emmaus. She lives in Canada. Yeah. Awesome girl. Amazing ministry that she... She runs up in Canada. The Lord just truly blesses it. And I remember the, talking to her one time and, and she sharing how they went about their ministry and it kind of just totally rocked my idea of evangelism. And she said that they, they had this program with, with after-school kids and a, and a lot of them ended up being the kids that, that no one else cared about, that reached out to, that nobody else talked to. And she said, you know, we don't really go in with any motives or hidden agendas even you know when we befriend them our goal isn't to get them saved it's just to love them that's it we just love them we give expecting nothing in return she said you know most people can even see if you're loving them because you want to get them saved they can see that she said we just we just love them expecting nothing in return. She shared this verse to me and I, it was just amazing to me. And she said, you know, obviously we want them to get to know the Lord. We want them to get saved. We want to see their lives changed. But how we do that is we love them completely selflessly. And it, it amazed me. It, you know, I had so many times had that mindset in college when we would meet kids from other schools and start Bible studies that I was being their friend so that they could get saved. And that was my whole motivation, motivation. And I think, you know, it's not wrong necessarily, but the idea of just genuinely loving them for who they are and because Christ has loved us uh, really just changed my opinion of a lot of things of how to go about things. And uh, it goes back to what, what Christ is saying here is, is to, to love expecting nothing in return. He gives another parable over a couple chapters if you want to turn over to chapter 14. Chapter 14. Um, he talks about a great banquet. And he says... Um, in verse 12, he says, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. And you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In both of these, these chapters, Christ says that that your reward isn't here, doesn't he? That idea that your reward is in heaven. That your reward is later. And it's true. It, it, it may not be an earthly return, but the Lord blesses those that give selflessly. I want to look at a, a couple examples of people who gave expecting nothing in return. And in turn, the Lord, the Lord blessed them. Um, one is a, a lady, a widow, 
in 1 Kings chapter 1. If you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 1, we're going to be going back and forth a lot. So, If you have blackberries, you'll be able to find the passage easily. If you have your Bible with you, you're just going to have to flip. So. Sam, you're already there? Yeah. Um, so 1 Kings chapter 17. The widow of Zarphath, I think, is how you say it but I'm not quite sure. But the widow of Zarephath. So the story goes like this. Elijah, the Lord comes to Elijah and tells him to go to Zarephath. And he says, you're going to meet this lady there. Uh, When you meet her, tell her to bake you some bread. Kind of an odd request, I think, from the Lord. But Elijah goes. He goes to the city, and sure enough, as he enters the gate, there's this widow... And she's uh, gathering sticks. And Elijah comes up to her and he says, Can you get me some water? And she says, Yeah, I'll, I'll go get you a drink. And uh, as she's going, Elijah says, and, and can you bake me some bread and, and bring me back some bread as well with the water? And I think I can just kind of see this woman. as she's like, Yeah, I'll go get him some water. And she's got her sticks. And he says that her heart just kind of sinks. Because she turns and tells Elijah what she's doing. She says, actually, I only have a small amount of, of bread left, dough left, and a little bit of oil. I was actually just about to go home to bake the bread, and then my son and I were going to eat it, and then we were going to die. And so you can see that she's trying to express to Elijah, I don't, I don't have anything to give to you. We're, we're, in fact, about to eat the last thing that we have. This is it. And then we're probably going to starve to death. And Elijah says, don't worry, it's going to be all right. Just go, bake me some bread, bring me some of it, and then you and your son eat the rest after you give me some. That would be tough, wouldn't it? This is the last bit you have. That's it. Yeah, I may be like, yeah, sure. We live down around the corner over there, so just meet me there in a few minutes. Gonna head this way though. But she goes. She does it. She goes home. She uh, bakes the spread, gives some to Elijah, and uh, to her son. And miraculously this little bit of bread and this little bit of oil, there's a famine in the land, by the way, at this point in time, last her throughout the rest of the famine. Elijah says, until rain comes again, this little bit of bread that you have and a little bit of oil, it's not going to run out. And it did. It just kept kind of replenishing itself, kind of like yeast, I guess, except more multiplied. Which is an amazing thing. And then later on we see that the woman's son dies. And uh, she's upset. You know, Elijah, I gave to you and now look what happens. My son's, my son's dead. Um, but Elijah raises him from the dead, which is, again, pretty awesome. 
So we see this woman who, who is willing to give the last that she has. Probably not expecting anything in return. I mean, I, I know I wouldn't. I'm sure that little bits of bread lasting for, I don't know, maybe it was years, I don't know. It doesn't really happen every day. But pretty amazing to see that this woman was willing to give, expecting nothing in return. And again, as the Lord says in, in both those chapters in Luke, He will be the one to reward you. If you want to turn over to Second Kings 4, we have another story, kind of similar, but with Elisha this time. Second Kings chapter 4. And this is with the Shunammite woman. And these two women are in, are in pretty different circumstances. The widow was desperately poor. She had nothing, and yet she gave out of the little that she had. The Shunammite woman, on the other hand, is, is actually very wealthy. And so I want you to, to see these... Uh, these two examples. Elisha, it seems, would pass by where this woman lived fairly often. And uh, he began to, to stay with her and her husband at, the, at their house. And finally she said to her husband, you know, Elisha comes by a lot. I, I think that we should build him a room so that when he comes, what would she say? Let's make a small room on the roof with walls and put in here a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that when he comes, he can go in there. This woman is willing to give to Elijah. I mean, I'm sure Elijah wasn't giving anything. He would come. She would feed him. She says, you know, he even comes so often. Let's build him a place to stay when he's here. The generosity there is, is just awesome. It's cool to see this woman on the other spectrum, who is wealthy, who does have money, willing to give uh, to Elisha. And Elisha um, he has, a, has a servant named Giza, and he, he calls him and he says, you know, this, this Shunammite woman's done so much for us. What, what do you think we can do for her? And so they call her and they tell her and she, she basically says, I don't need anything, don't worry about it, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. And so she leaves, and, and Giza says, Well, you know, sir, she, uh, she doesn't have any children, doesn't have a son. Um, yeah, it actually says doesn't have a son. I don't know that she doesn't have any children. Doesn't have a son. Her husband's very old. Um, I'm sure that she would love a son. And so Eli Elisha calls her back in and says, This time next year you're going to have a son. And she's all excited and uh, rejoices. And, and sure enough, that time next year she has a son. And strangely enough, just like the uh, widow, her son too dies. And she comes and sends someone to Elisha, or she comes to Elisha and tells him, you know, you gave me the son and now he's dead and, um, you know, just sorrowful. And so, again, like Elijah, Elisha goes. And uh, 
raises her son back to life. So again, we see another example of someone who's willing to give, expecting nothing in return. And in turn, the Lord blesses them in miraculous ways because of their, their heart and their generosity and their willingness to give. I want to look at one last person relating to this. And he is kind of the, the opposite of these two. So if you want to turn over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 17. We see the story of the rich young ruler. Jesus was setting out on a journey, verse 17. A man uh, ran up to him, knelt before him, and said this. He said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. It's kind of an interesting story, isn't it? A little odd. This is a story that I've struggled with uh, from time to time. Just because you, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem that Jesus is telling him how to inherit eternal life, actually. But what what is happening here? What's why does Jesus tell him what he tells him? Anyone? Yeah. Exactly. He says that it's the one thing. Jesus has this neat uh, thing that we don't have where he can actually know the person's heart, right? And so seeing this man, he knew there's one obstacle in your way. And that's that you have another God other than me. And unless you get rid of that God, you're never going to accept me as your God, as your Christ. And so he tells them, sell all you have, give it to the poor, come follow me, and you'll have treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. And what's the man's response? He walks away. Because he was wealthy. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give up all that I have for Christ. That's too much. But genuinely, that's what it was. His wealth was his idol. Unless that obstacle was gone, he wasn't going to accept Christ as his God because he already had a God.
So we see here, I think, another, the opposite extreme of being selfless and giving nothing in return. The word we use is greed, selfishness. And that's really what we do if we go back to that root of lending out your money and interest. It's, it's greed. It's wanting more. It's taking the opportunity to take advantage of someone else to, get, to gain more. But do, do we ever do similar things to the rich young ruler? Are there stuff in this world that we love more than God that we're unwilling to give to give up probably so back in uh, Psalm 15 the next passage very similar so we're not going to spend as much time on it but I just want to hit a couple more points. It says, And does not take a bribe against the innocent. Again, the idea of not taking advantage of your neighbor to get a quick buck. And this is something you kind of see a lot in movies, isn't it? There's a court case. The guy's innocent. They know they're going to lose. So they go and they pay off the jury so that they'll vote in their favor so they get the verdict they want. You know, you see that a lot in the movies. Not doesn't seem like it's an everyday type of thing, but apparently it, it happened. And uh, one of the commentators I was reading said this, and it it was profound to me. He says the righteous champions the cause of the innocent and the needy, and does not take advantage of it. The righteous champions the cause. We should be on the opposite extreme of that, of those that are the innocent, the needy, that we're the ones that are in there seeking to, to help them, to pull them out. We're the ones that should champion that cause. There's a pretty famous individual who took a bribe against someone, is there not? Let's turn over to Matthew and look at that one person before we close this morning. Can anyone tell me the name of the person that I'm thinking of? Judas. Good job. Matthew 26, verse 14. It says, One of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? For most of us in here, I think that's pretty difficult to understand how he could do that, why he, why he would do that, why he would betray the Lord. Someone that had been with him so long and seen the things that he had seen and experienced the things that he experienced would go and say, how much will you pay me to betray this man? Like, uh, we got 30 pieces of silver. How's that? Deal. 
And from that moment on, he sought an opportunity to betray him. In my mind, I think you can just see Judas' heart getting darker and darker as he dwells upon it, as he thinks from that moment on, how, what's my opportunity? When can we do it? Always seeking that. He betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. I don't know how much that is, but I don't think it's a whole awful lot. But what's our price? To betray Christ. It doesn't have to be money. What's it take for us to turn our backs? Is it so that one won't be embarrassed? You know, Lord, I... I'm going to not say anything. I'm not going to defend your name or your honor right now because if I do, they're going to know I'm a Christian and they're going to think I'm weird, so I'm just sorry. Is that our price? Is it greed? You know, Lord, I, I know that I should, I should really give to the church this month I know they're in need, but I'd, I'd, really, I'd really rather buy that new movie that just came out. And so, you know, maybe next month. Is it, is it for our own pleasure? Yeah, you know, Lord, I, I haven't been in your word. I should, I should really come before you and, and read your word and be in prayer and spend time with you, but... I'd, I'd rather watch TV right now, so you know, maybe tomorrow. We'll see you later. Those kind of seem like small prices, don't they, that we would turn our back. And I think of those examples this morning because those are examples from my own life. Things that are more important to me at times than, than Christ. And hopefully I'm not alone here this morning. I don't think I am. But what's our price? In actuality, are we really so different from Judas at times when we, in a sense, turn our back to God and say, not right now got something else that's more valuable valuable to me than you at this moment. As we close this morning, I want to challenge you with a couple things that were challenging to me from this, this passage again. That is, that is men and women of integrity, and that's what we've been talking about all summer is being a church, a people of integrity. That we must give, expecting nothing in return. And that's a really difficult thing. It genuinely is. 
But that's what we're called to as Christians, as people that are, are to love selflessly. And I want to I look at one last example in Matthew chapter 18. why it is so important that we give selflessly, that we give of ourselves, that we forgive our neighbor. Jesus shares a parable in Matthew chapter 18. I just want to read it here for you. 18 verse 23. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master order him, ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payments be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servants So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you." He refused and went and put the man in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported it to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, "You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. What's the story an example of? And that's what Christ has done with us, is it not? He had mercy on us. He showed grace to us. He took our sins upon Himself on the cross so that we might be delivered, forgiven. And in turn, He says, you've been forgiven a great debt. So you need to forgive the debts that someone else has next to you because they're tiny in comparison to what you've been forgiven. 
I've shown you mercy. You need to show mercy. First John says that we are to love because Christ first loved us and gave Himself for us. As men and women of integrity, we need to give fully of ourselves, expecting nothing in return, because Christ has given Himself fully on our behalf. We need to be selfless and we need to think of others' welfare above our own. Their benefit above our own. Because Christ was willing to humble Himself to become a man. And bear the penalty of our sin upon Himself. And as men and women of integrity who have been shown mercy and who have been shown love. We need to love the Lord above all else. And I thought of an old song we sang at camp quite a bit. You probably know it. But it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. Um, Lord, You are more precious than silver. Lord, You are more costly than gold. Lord, You are more beautiful than diamonds. And nothing I desire compares with you. I've sung that song so many times. But I wonder if I ever actually meant it. Nothing that I desire compares with you. It's true. But do I live that way? Do I believe that? Again, I want to challenge us this morning that I need you, people, um, because I can't do these things on my own um, because I'm a sinful, selfish person. And I want to be a person that gives because I want to see your, your best, your well-being, expecting nothing in return. And I want to be a person that believes that lives as though the Lord is more precious than gold or silver or anything I desire. And I hope that's all of our hearts this morning as we seek to be men and women of integrity. As we seek to be men and women, as as Psalm 15 says, dwell on His holy hill. The, The type of people that are in the presence of God. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning and uh, we'll move into a time of worship as we uh, remember our God and our Savior who has given us so much. Father, we thank You for Your Word and we thank You for Your truth. And Father, I pray that um, this morning my, my heart has been, been challenged by Your Word and I just pray that I would... Seek to be a man of integrity. Seek to be a man who seeks after you in all that I do. A man that gives of himself selflessly, expecting nothing in return, Father. A man so moved by the grace and mercy that has been shown to me 
that in turn my life is an outpouring of the love and the grace and mercy that You have poured into me. And that I would seek You above all else. Just pray this in Your precious name this morning. Amen.